This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another show, for another episode of our Let's Talk Arsenal series, the show in which I'm joined by a guest to have a chat about their kind of views and feelings around the club as things stand. And I'm very happy today to be joined by James from AFTV. I do, mate. Are you well? Yeah, good. Thanks. How are you doing, Tom? Thanks for having me. No problem at all. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Uh, considering everything that's going on at the moment, it does feel a bit like I was talking to someone the other day about how I'm kind of just longing for that next game just to kind of you know, to see if a, a result can change the mood. But there's a there's a worrying and sinking feeling in me that even a win over Southampton is not going to shift kind of the overall feeling about things right now. Yeah. Um, I said in my fan cam after the Everton game um, that that result felt like a knockout punch for Arteta. Mm. And I know... I know I don't, I don't mean that because because I, I know he's still going to... Obviously, he's in the job for Southampton. Um, you know, and, and I'm not saying that he shouldn't be, um, yeah. but I, I think the feeling is that he'll probably get December because that run is somewhat favourable, though I wonder what mm. is favourable for us now in the league. Um, hmm. and, and I think it felt to me like um, on the back of, do you know, on the back of Villarreal, I think a lot of Arsenal fans said, I'm still prepared. Oh, sorry, let me mute that. Um, I, th- I think a lot of Arsenal fans were still in a position where they thought, you know what, it's still not quite his team. It's still not quite his team. So these Villarreal's and these moments can happen. Therefore, mm. let's give him the summer and then let's give him to Christmas. That's what a lot of people said. And we'll see if Arsenal are in a better position. And I think the truth is we are in a better position. It's just not much better. <laughs> where, where were you after Villarreal? Where was your head at with the manager? I, I was, I was re- let me put it this way. I was, I was ready for change. Mm. And whether that change was going to be an overhaul in the summer or a new manager. It had to be one or the other. And I think in fairness, I think that Kroenke delivered what, considering a pandemic, considering Arsenal's history of spending, considering the amount of work that needed to be done on this squad, I think Mm. they delivered a pretty acceptable summer in terms of replenishing the squad. 
um, and refreshing the spine. So I was happy with that and I was ready to see what Arteta could do with it. And, um, you know, I, I, I took Norwich as a as a fresh start hmm. and I've seen things I liked, but not quite enough for me. What about you? Where, where are you with it? I mean, after Villarreal, as, as kind of the listeners know, I was very much uh, of a mind that I think that any other any other big club would have moved on from their coach at that point. They would have looked at the season, finishing eighth. You've been knocked out of uh, a Europa League by our former head coach and by a club that you're expected to beat across yeah. two legs. You didn't win either of them. Um, I think any other big club at that point would, would turn around. I mean, arguably earlier on in that season, especially during the festive period, mm-hmm a lot of big clubs probably would have moved on from their coaches. But Arsenal, we know, have always kind of backed their their coaches. Even Emery in his first season, when there was moments of difficulty, they stuck by him. Even after we lost the Europa League final, they stuck by him. And it was only until kind of things got untenable with the dressing room breaking apart, again, leading up to that festive period of 2019, that, that they decided to move on from him. Where I'm at now is that I kind of gave him this season. I said, look, even though I wanted to change after Villarreal, they're not going to move him on. They're going to stick with him. So let's see where this kind of goes. And the 10-game t- the unbeaten run after the three games, I accepted the three games. I could see the context behind them, the injuries, the missing players, the fact that we hadn't integrated any, barely any new signings yet. I could contextualize those. But the 10 games after those was good. And we sat ourselves one point off top four. But I think, James, during that 10 games, we saw a period, didn't we, where it, what we were looking at you could see cracks and you could see there was issues and it wasn't like we were blowing these teams away. We weren't winning four and five nil against Norwich and Burnley and Watford. We were getting by. And I think that Man United and Everton probably showed us that those cracks have, you know, they've been found out. I think so. I think, I think United and Everton um, were one of those tricky places to go, but you know, if Arsenal have progressed, they get something out of those. Mm. Um, while I don't think it would have been great in terms of putting points on the board, although better than what we obviously delivered with two two defeats, I think two points, you know, draw at each place, just I think we'd have left with a sense of, all right, you know, that's not we wanted to win one of them, but at least we've, you know, at least we've not lost, at least we've somewhat been competitive in those games. And mm. I think the biggest worry was that I thought we started well against United and then we fell away. But I did think there were there were moments from that United game that I did enjoy, uh, and then the Everton game. I just couldn't believe how outcla- outclassed we were. And I think if you're kind of to give both teams a ratings on their performance, mm-hmm. and maybe it's harsh on Everton, I think they were probably only like a five out of ten. I don't think they were that great. We were just like a yeah. one. You know, yeah. they weren't that great. They didn't have to do a lot to beat us, and that's really worrying because I am. Um, I like to. Whenever we're judging a manager, I like to look at the whole, the big picture. What's he improved? What's he not? And I keep telling myself, well, defensively, it's got better. Mm. I think maybe it has in terms of individuals and people I kind of believe in more. Um, But as a collective, it it hasn't got better. Um, And this far on, uh, you know, I think there's been moments where Arsenal have been able to dig deep and get through Burnley away. Typically, a, a difficult place. You know that they're, they're going to rough you up. It's going to be physical, um, and I thought we dealt with that test quite well. Mm. Um, and yeah, you, know, you look at the FA Cup run. So he, he's been able to implement a structure. At, at times, I worry too much of a structure. Um, it's funny because I do think Arteta gets a lot right. I just think he gets so much wrong as well. 
I think with the the defensive side of things that you picked up on, I agree with you. You look at the area that he's progressed in and you would say defensively, that's the place in the Arsenal team that we've made progression. No longer have we got the the Mustafis, the Socrateses of this world um, that make these these silly errors. Uh, Gabriel and Ben White are a much better partnership. Tommy Asu's come in and been brilliant. We've got two solid left backs. We've got a really good goalkeeper as well. But in the last four games, we've conceded nine goals. And you look yeah. at kind of, if that's what we've been clinging on to with Arteta saying that defensively he's improved us, if that's starting to crumble and that's starting to, to cause concern, that's where the kind of the, the alarm bells really start to ring. And you've got these next three to four games against uh, Southampton, West Ham, of course, which is a huge game, and then Leeds, and then Norwich on Boxing Day. And you think, if we... How many points do you think of, say, the next three against Southampton, West Ham and Leeds? How many points do you think would be enough for the club to make a decision uh, on his future? Because from my money, I genuinely think that we could lose all three and they still wouldn't change anything. Wow. Um, Wow, what a great question. I'll be honest. I think if we lose all three, I do think he's gone. Mm. Because I do think there's going to be something within Josh Kroenke that goes, hold on, we've given you a lot of money um, <laughs> and this needs to improve fast. And and a lot of people, a lot of people like to say, well, the Kroenkes don't care. You know, they're not bothered that. Well, sure. Maybe they're not bothered about winning the big trophies. And that's a discussion for another time. Yeah. Um, but they're definitely bothered about being out the Champions League. They're definitely bothered about the revenue streams they're missing out on. They're definitely bothered about them seeming the bad guys. You know, people who are in and around the Cronkies will tell you that they still don't want to be seen as the villains in this whole thing. You know, they Josh do... doesn't. I feel like Stan doesn't really care. Yeah, <laughs> you probably, know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Jo- Josh absolutely doesn't. And mm. I always say to people, I look at Josh and Stan differently. I really do. Yeah. I think, I think Josh is genuinely, people might call me naive or whatever. I think Josh does want to be a good owner. I think Josh does care, but of course he's restricted by what, he can do. Um, and I think he's trying to do more interviews. He's what do you mean by that? Restricted? I think ultimately it's his dad's, it's his mm. dad's company, you know, and if Josh Cronky wants to give an Art- Arteta a budget of 200 and Cronky says it's a hundred, uh, Stan even says it's a hundred, it's going to be probably about 150. You know, I, th- I think there's a little bit of that going on. Um, I think they've tried to, back Arteta they tried to back a project but it's like the point I made and 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 someone very kindly shared the video on Twitter and I retweeted it that the project doesn't have to die with Arteta you can mm. still build on it with the next manager and I, yeah I would hope that that Josh is looking at it in that way and goes some good stuff's been done we've built on you know we, we, we've built some nice foundations um if he loses the next three you know we can get someone in who can build on that now touch your answer your question what do I think mm. I honestly think Anything less than two wins and a draw, there's going to be... And by the way, I want three wins. I think you should be winning yeah. three of them. Mm. But anything less than two wins and a draw, and I think I think there'll be a lot of pressure. So so what's the next best thing? That means a win and two draws or two wins and a defeat. I still think people will be on him because then that will be a seventh defeat in, what, 18 games? Yeah. That will be... Um, you know, more crucial drop, uh, crucial points dropped against very winnable opposition. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I think it could get really toxic. If he Do you think a win and two draws keeps his job? 
I think it keeps his job. Mm. I think it keeps his job. But I often think a lot of this is actually about fan tolerance. Now, we saw Nuno Spirito Santo go because the Spurs fans really, really made a noise about it. Um, mm. Rightly or wrongly, but I, I think ultimately, I hate those lot down the road, but I think they made the right decision. They listened to their fans. And I think there's a little part of Arteta communicates well with us and I think we like him and we don't want to really go in that hard. Um, but I think it is last chance salute. There's a lot of, I'm, you know, I'm on Twitter a lot. There's a lot of um, big accounts. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. There's a lot of big accounts that I love interacting with. People who have really stood by the manager and I see them now saying it's time mm. to move on. Yeah. And that that's kind of when I start going, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, people are really starting to turn now. What, so yeah. what do you think? You think even if he loses all three, he's in? I just feel like history tells me that this club aren't uh, reactionary uh, in terms of, of kind of their decision making. I think they look at the the investment in the time that he's been there. I think they look at maybe they'll look at what else is out there in terms of options. And I mean, we and obviously I'm sure you see in your own chat boxes and we see it all the time. People throw names in Zidane, Ten Hag, go get Pochettino from PSG, whatever. People throw names in all the time, but that in reality it's not as easy as that i mean you you see how ten hag speak spoke about the manchester united role and how he was very committed to ajax just because you know man just because antonio conte's gone to spurs doesn't necessarily mean that that tangibly goes straight into saying that arsenal can go yeah. and get whoever they like i do think i was surprised by conte going to spurs don't get me wrong i was i was shocked uh, about that um, I do maybe look at it as a bit of a short-term thing for him to get back into the managerial setup and then move somewhere else after he leaves them in an absolute rut like he does most of the clubs he leaves, which I'm, fingers crossed, hoping happens. Yeah, we're but, all hoping for that. Of course. Um, but I, I don't necessarily look at that and go, just because Spurs got Conte, it means that Arsenal could go out and get him. I mean, what do you think about kind of saying the theoretical, hypothetical situation Arteta has moved on? Are you concerned at the options that are out there that we could realistically go for? Yeah. Um, I'm not actually, I'm not because, um, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to say anything's better than Arteta. That, that'd be really hard because <laughs> I, I do think Arteta's done some good. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but anything in terms of experience, steadying the ship, um, even an interim till we get the right guy, you know, mm. if results continue, if more Everton's happen and Everton's a particularly bad one, um, you know, Arteta's got nine lives. You know, he survived the bad run from this time a year ago. Uh, he survived Villarreal. He survived the start of the season. And now this feels like his fourth big kind of mm. hill to climb. And in fairness, he's always come out of it with a degree of, with some decent results and a, and, and something that leaves us with hope. Um, but in terms of man, yeah. I, I think you can get a Graham Potter from Brighton. I really do. And maybe that's not what people who people want. And if mm. not, that's completely fair enough. Um, but I like Graham Potter. He's got a track record of overachieving abroad, coming to the Premier League, taking a side like Brighton, who people, you know, people forget we're, we're, we're a very boring side. They mm. kind of about staying in the league, made them entertainers, made them one of the most exciting attacking Premier te uh, teams in the Premier League, and that's not even exaggerate uh, exaggeration. That the numbers tell you that, um, and and you know he, he's kind of built on it this season, where they've become a little bit more clinical. They're sitting in the top half of the table, I believe. Mm. Um, it, uh, Brendan Rodgers, I, I think Brendan Rodgers is one of those managers. You know, after two years, I think it does start to go a bit stale for him. 
But I don't yeah. think there's anything wrong with two years of Brendan Rodgers and then a Ten Hag and then the next guy. I, I don't know. I think, but it'd be about building on it with a, with a manager who plays the kind of football Arteta's been trying to instill. Um, and a lot of people say we're boring, we're aggressive, we don't play good football under Arteta. I slightly disagree. I think he is trying to play good football. I just don't think we're very good at it. Yeah. Um, I think Man United is a really good example of that. For 25 minutes, we looked, I don't think it's exaggerated to say we looked awesome. You know, I know mm. we weren't creating a load of chances, but the press on the ball, the way we were moving it, they said have great players. And I thought we were not humiliating them because we weren't scoring the goals, but I, they were probably sat there thinking, oh my God, you know, we can't get the ball off Arsenal in our own backyard. Mm. Um, <laughs> there was a portion then, of the Liverpool then, game where we went toe to toe with them as well in the first half. Liverpool game, there was a lot to like in that first 35, mm. 38 minutes or whatever. Um, but it fell away. So what's that? Is that inexperience? Is that coaching? Is it whatever? Mm. So I think a, a manager with these ideals can build on that and make us a more consistent force. So I'm looking at the likes of uh, Rodgers and Potter, and that might be underwhelming if you can get a 10 hard, great. But I do think there's managers out there that are worth, you know, picking up the phone to. Um, mm. who, who would you like? Is, is there anyone particular you're thinking? The thing is... Um... Uh, the, the the options out there look if you said Ten Hag was coming in tomorrow I'd move on Arteta today I don't think there's there's too much of a debate about that what he's done at Ajax is brilliant yes there are questions about whether or not that could translate to uh, a league outside the Eredivisie and of course sure. he's done well in the Champions League as well but it is a different kettle of fish and he would be without his right-hand man Mark Overmars as well so I mean you, you look at some managers some technical directors when they move it doesn't necessarily work because they've not got those same people around them and it was the team that was working not necessarily the individuals sure. um, Graham Potter is someone that a year ago I was very very a, a, against the idea because I looked at kind of 2020 for them they won one game at home in the entirety of 2020 guess who that was against it was us, uh, yes. It was the only team they managed to beat. Was, I was say Tottenham, but yes, that's right. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it, it was, was us uh, with the uh, the Neil Mope Genduzzi yeah. situation. Yeah, it was the only home game they won. The, the day the, the greatest rivalry in football started. <laughs> those yeah. yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> How their careers have tra- well, verged away from each other since then. Um, yeah. And then 2021... He's kind of, you know, we, we can see what he's trying to do. The XG statistics don't lie. What the chance creation stats don't lie. His style of play is clearly something that if if Brighton had a good striker, I mean, in January, if they don't sign a striker, you're, Graham Potter will be looking up at his sporting directors, technical directors and thinking, what on earth are you doing? Because the potential for this team to explode is there. And you know, no offence to Danny Welbeck, but he's obviously moving on. Neil Mope is, is, whilst he's a decent striker, he's not the type to be clinical yeah. enough to get the best out of the chance they're creating. They signed that Lacardia from uh, the Origins. I think it was PSV that he was at previously, and he never really did anything. Um, they need to, I mean, funny thing is, is they could come in for Eddie Nketiah, who we know, given a chance, can be clinical. Yeah. And he takes them to that next level, and we'll be scratching our heads thinking, why didn't we give him more chances? Yeah, but, pips uh, us to top seven. Yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah. The, the, the race for top seven is going to be electric yeah. at the end of this season. Um, <laughs> exactly. But I suppose uh, discussing the manager, discussing kind of the solutions, 
the next part of the conversation and chat box for those listening thank you so much by the way and do drop a like on the video and subscribe if you're new and we're going to be taking some of your questions in a, in a short while but just on that fan section that's kind of where i wanted the last portion of this bit before we go to questions it is obviously working on on the biggest fan channel uh i was going to say arsenal perspective but in the world um do you how do you perceive the fan social element of of how things are for you right now do you how do you feel about the way in which arsenal fans are reacting to things right now yeah um alluded to it earlier with with uh twitter but obviously we, we do this thing um we do a full-time show immediately mm. after the, the game's finished um where people send their videos in um and it's amazing fans all over the world um and there seems to be a general consensus that People like Arteta. That's kind of the... This is what annoys me when people who are Arteta out. Um, mm. I think it's missed that people like Arteta and and that there is something in that. That there absolutely is... That, that gets you a certain... You know, to a certain level. I don't mm. think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was a good manager. But I think the players liked him and played for him. And I think the fans liked him, so it gave him a chance when things went wrong. And through that, they discovered a little bit of stability, a little bit of consistency... Um, a little bit of something till eventually the the quality of coaching kind of took its toll and and I think people like Arteta um, but are starting to I don't think anything is starting to actually yeah. I, I think people are now just ready for a change I think everyone unanimously is ready to see something different two years is a long time in football we've had two years um, with Mikel Arteta and I think the question is, Turkish asked a great question on Sports Club the other day. He said, um, um, was it? I can't remember. Anyway, I can't remember what show it was. But the question was, have we progressed? Mm. And I think the answer was, you know, n- no, really. When you're really yeah. kind of being really... Sure, I think the squad's in a better place and the academy's in a better place. I think the culture of the club, I think the fans are more are more c- closer to, are close to the club, mm. um, whether it's by a lot or not. But really, in the grand scheme of things, not a lot has changed, not in the way we, we kind of hoped. And I think people are ready to see another person who can take it on a level. Um, that's, the, that's the feeling I get. I don't think anyone's going to, you know, ab- abuse him or, 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 or force it. I, I, think there's still a, I think there's still a hope for some people that, you know what, when we play, when we have the, this run in December, he might still turn it around. Mm. But deep down, I think if someone was asked to hit the red button, I think they probably would. Yeah, uh, it, I think when the, the thing we find with Arsenal fans is that there's a spectrum is we have a spectrum of along kind of this line from almost toxic positivity all the way down to the other end of toxic negativity. And I think yeah. where most of us, thankfully, most of us sit is this kind of this middle ground where in the middle you're sitting on the fence and you're not really sure. And on the right hand side of that, you've got, say, uh, the slightly not necessarily right turn it all political right and left let's just say one side of that middle you've got kind of uh, people that are you know really like the manager i think that this is a, a process that you've got to kind of put faith in and that it's not going to be turned around within even two years it's going to take more time more signings more investment and it's going to take Arteta time in himself to develop as a coach and then you got slightly on the other side of things where you got people going in this game you can't allow this amount of time and whilst you're trying to progress and work through your project the teams around you aren't playing by the same rules as you and are moving at a faster pace because they're investing they're sacking they're reappointing they're moving forwards continuously 
And no matter how long you give a project, if the teams around you are moving at a faster pace, you're never going to catch them. So yeah. it's it's a fine line and it's interesting how you see the, the spectrum of fan opinions change. And just before I go on to questions, I'm really, I'm really interested in your thoughts on this. Have you, um, kind of from the perspective of since you joined AFTV as well, how have you found kind of uh, working there and and how have you found the change, I think? Because, I mean, I, from my perspective, I've noticed a huge change since like the likes of yourself and and the change that have gone on there and the perception of, of AFTV as well from what it was previously and to what it's turning into is really positive. So tell me kind of about that process that you've been on that journey. Yeah, so I joined about just over a year ago. Mm. Um, and, you know, I watched AFTV before. Um, I found fan cams weirdly therapeutic you know i i yeah. was like oh i'm glad someone feels the way i'm feeling i, I completely acknowledge that the, the channel's not for everyone um mm. not every character is for everyone and, and every person and when i say character i mean their character you know what i mean mm. yeah. going, oh it's fake they're just you know obviously i know what you mean uh, um i i've i've really enjoyed i really enjoyed my year there and um you know, there has been a lot of change. We moved into new studio space. We brought in new presenters. We brought brought in new staff. Obviously, the launch of the Don Robbie channel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I, I know kind of the way people feel about it sometimes. So, but, and by the way, a lot of people love the channel, obviously. Mm-hmm. And a lot yeah, of I mean, we wouldn't have all the subscribers if it well, is. So, well, yeah. of course. And, and a lot of people, you know, feel a certain way. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think it would shock people how many times when we sit in meetings, we, we plan content. Um, funny enough I'm, I've got a content meeting a little bit later today um, you know how many times we sit there and we think you know how is this serving the fans and it's genuinely a question we always ask you know are we representing kind of all sides here because everyone feels differently and I think it's important that we also say we don't want to we, we don't want to pretend we represent the fans mm. we just want to give them a voice and they can represent themselves on the channel i think there's a slight difference there you know if if turkish has a feeling about the cronkies and we do a show on it that's not us saying this is what every arsenal fan feels here's a show on it um yeah. it, you know it, it's about us giving our, our our opinions but we we always want to look at all sides so a little bit later is a little exclusive a little later today there's a video coming out um that i i did just sort of a piece to camera video which is basically five things Arteta can change to turn this around. Um, and the idea behind it is, rightly, every Arsenal fan is feeling really down about what's going on, have been really on Arteta's back, but not everyone feels that way. Yeah. And so there should be something that says, well, for those who are kind of still back in the process and for those who aren't ready for a change, you know, here's what we can, let's rally the troops, here's what we can do to get it right. Um, yeah. So over, over the last year, and it's difficult for me to say what's changed because I wasn't there before. True. Um, obviously, yeah. a lot of people have moved on to do their own channels and other things are going on. And, you know, I, I personally, you know, have good relationships with most of those people and, and good luck to everyone and what they're doing. Mm. Um, but, you know, we, we've we've had to adapt to changes. We've had to look at our own content. You know, what, what do the fans enjoy? What do they not? We're constantly adapting and evolving because, you know, there's a lot of great fan channels. We, we talk about this channel. We talk about TGT. We talk about lots of great channels, the Arsenal Lounge, whatever, but, you know, all these mm. places. Um, Curtis is a great channel, Curtis Shaw TV, all of them. Mm. And we, we talk about them and we look at, we look at what people are doing. We go, you know, that's great. How can we learn from it? How can we do better? How can we, you know, all these things. So 
yeah, from the last year, it's it's been a lot of constant transition. I don't think we've really kind of fully settled yet because we're still adding, you know, and 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 evolving yeah. and, and changing things. Um, but it's been it's been great fun, and um, you know, I I definitely find it a user word therapeutic. Before, you know, I definitely enjoy leaving my arsenal at work and coming home and going right. I've <laughs> I've dealt with with that there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've had a yeah. great time of it and, um, you know, hopefully we just keep moving on to bigger and better things, but it's a great team and they're, they're fully supportive of all my ideas and the things we want to do. And yeah, it's just about constantly thinking, can we keep giving people a chance to, it's why we do Twitter spaces every Monday at midnight now to get people on. It's why, um, Cecil does ask the fans so mm. they can go around the community and ask people. And we want to keep bringing more of that content because it's the authentic content that made the channel what it is what do you do you think there's still misconceptions uh, about it do you think that i mean from my perspective um and obviously I, we do this series on the channel called let's talk arsenal fans where i have a chat with a fan for an hour and we've had a couple of people obviously we've had lee we've had mo and the kind of the response if i've had anyone that's either still associate of aftv or has previously been associate of aftvs and there's always people going why are you getting them on they're on aftv yeah. Do you think there is a misconception or do you think there's a and, and do you understand maybe why, why people feel that way? Uh, yeah, because I think um, typically the moments that maybe go viral aren't mm. always the ones people want to see um, or certainly maybe in previous years. Um, I also just understand that I know a lot of really good people that have I've met a lot of really good people who have got really good fan channels Um or, or, or do really good work elsewhere. And I just don't necessarily like their work, but I like the person. So sometimes it can just be yeah. that. Um, I do tactical insight with Graham, okay? Mm. I think tactical insight, I think you've got, you got to work really hard to find anything you're offended by in tactical insight. <laughs> but, oh, that XG stats got me wrong. Yeah, yeah, you, bloody, <laughs> you guys, yeah, you and your bloody average positions map, how dare you? <laughs> um, but um, not everyone likes it. And that's and that's fair enough that people don't have to like it. Um, How do you feel but, about that? When do you see a, a negative comment? Or what kind of negative comments do you see about? Because you say that you said a second ago, like how it, it takes kind of something special to to really dislike a tactical insight show. Yeah. So what what kind of comment do you get, and and how yeah. does that make you feel when you see them? Um, I think fair enough. Uh, I, I, genuinely, when wow. I first joined, I was I, I was a pretty anxious person actually. I, mm. I still I still am sometimes. I I'm an overthinker. Um, so when I see Join kind of negative <laughs> comments or, on on a show or a fan cam I do or tactical insight, um, I just think you know that's your opinion. As long as it's semi constructive, you know. I saw one comment the other day. People are really lovely in the comment section actually for tactical insight. But one person said um, says something like bang average analysis, and I said well. You know, not to discredit Graham and I's work, because we work really hard and we do our best with what we can. Mm. But, you know, if it kind of, it's not meant to be Monday night football because we don't have the broadcast footage and we're not experienced like Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher. It's meant to be digestible, kind of, I want to know a little bit more about the tactics side of things. I want to know a little bit more about what the numbers are saying. And mm. we serve that. So people who are asking us to come and, you know, it, it, it explain the, you know the greatest philosophies of football and all and and you know and the guardiola way and all that we're not going to do that we, we're not in a place to do that mm. so I, I always take everything with just a, a step back and i think oh do they have a point you know and i tend not i try my best not to get too offended by it but on your comment uh, on your question about um 
misperceptions of the FTV. Mm. Um, there are a couple. There are a couple that really bother me. The first is the um, you know you, you guys want people to lose. So you guys want Arsenal yes. to lose. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Because losing equals more money is the, is the argument, isn't that, it? That's the that's the idea, and I think the first thing is that you know gaining this. Uh, Robbie puts it really really well. Like anything in football, if something shocking happens or something newsworthy happens, hmm. we win a game we weren't expected to win. We win a big game, or we lose a game we weren't expected to lose. Those numbers are all gonna they're all gonna go up. Of course they are. Yeah. It's a shock. It's wow. Oh, that's mm. that's surprising. Um, you know, I think our biggest, our most viewed video in 2020 was the stream for the FA Cup final. Mm. You know, that's that, that, and we won that. So, so it, it's anything that is kind of big newsworthy, whatever. That's the first thing. Secondly, I always say this to people: people can focus on a, a, an acceleration of views in one or two videos or, or, or one day's worth of fan cams or whatever. But if Arsenal, uh, like last year, we lost to Southampton in the FA Cup fourth round, right? Yeah. I'm sure the cynics are saying, big numbers, there you go, AFTV will be happy. Well, no, because firstly, and this is the most crucial bit, we're Arsenal fans and it, you know, it hurts to lose. And we always, uh, and, 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 you know, you see our moods around, around the place on a Monday and all that, you know, it, yeah, it hurts. But secondly, it means we're not doing, if we're knocked out of the FA Cup fourth round, it means we're not doing a preview for the fifth round. We're not doing a watch along for the fifth round. We're not doing fan counts for the fifth round. Mm. So we miss out on all that. We've, we've, we've dropped so low. We're now out of Europe completely. Mm. That's what, 10 to 12 streams and all the content around that that we're not doing in the year. So this idea yeah. that it benefits us financially to lose, uh, for me, it, 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 well, not just for me, I, I think, Numbers are tell you it, it, it's wildly off the off the charts, but um, yeah, you know, but but I, I, you know, I understand, you know, people are, I understand some of the criticism, um, but yeah, I, I wanted to put that bit to bed. This idea that yeah, it's better for us if we lose, just yeah, nonsense. It's uh, it's something that I think all fan channels as well, no matter what level, um, and if say and pretty much almost Arsenal club creators across a multitude of channels have had at one stage or another one of their videos is kind of you know it's hit bigger views than than the average because of either something that just the event or because of what they were saying or because of a transfer or whatever i mean i think ours this summer was me i did an hour-long moan about how we didn't sign any buendia and yeah. that, that got like more views than the most the most of the videos on on the channel at the moment. And granted, there was a fair few Aston Villa fans, I think, that were just lord like, lording in it all. But uh, I do find it strange, and I also find that argument a little bit flawed when you consider the club that you're covering. Because Arsenal tend to win. Uh, maybe this isn't true as as much as it used to be, but Arsenal do tend to win more games than they lose. So from yeah. a business perspective, it wouldn't make too much sense to cover no. Arsenal. Um, so no, I do find that strange. Yeah, um, I've got to so say you, you've got to be you've got to be some some guy to follow a club around the whole country in Europe and then go on their <laughs> tours. In the hope mm. that they might lose games, <laughs> I mean, bloody hell! That I've got yeah. to say, that would be some business model. But um, yeah, it, 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 yeah, it's a, it's a load. Of, you know, the, actually, what did make me happy? I think someone found someone was watching Premier League years during the Invincible season and found um, found a 
during one of the celebrations that they, they paused it and they saw Robbie in the background. And I quite like that people saw that because it's, you know, yeah. he, he's, he's been going to Arsenal like for as long as he can remember. And mm. yeah, it's, um, but yeah, it, it, yeah, it's a good question. It's the one I, I'm not here to tell people like the channel. No. You have to like the channel. It's, yeah. You like what you like, you, you, you like mm. who you like, and that's absolutely fine. Um, but yeah, this idea that we want to lose is, is, madness it is madness um i mean i from my perspective i've criticized certain things i've praised certain things that has never been one that i can look at of any kind of logic uh, in, in terms of a, a criticism um let's jump into the chat box and, and ask some yeah. questions first of all curtis thank you so much for the, the nice comment mate really appreciate that and I love curtis, uh, i'm sure we'll uh we'll be sorting something out very soon mate um again it's it's about kind of we come back to that whole point of we're Arsenal content creators. We're not always going to agree. Curtis isn't going to agree with a lot of my views. I'm not going to agree with a lot of Curtis's views. But if you can have a general conversation and you can keep it respectful, that's all that we really want at the end of the day. Um, so let's go to Omar, who says, do you think our backroom staff that have been here since the Wenger days need to go like the sports psychologist? The idea that we need to remove every semblance of the Wenger era to move on. Do you think there's any credence uh. in this theory? Um, I mean, I, I, I'm not worried about the sports psychologist. And I, I, <laughs> I think I heard yeah. that, um, like pictures of the invincibles and stuff were taken from the training ground and, or something too, because it was considered to be putting pressure on the car. I, I don't know where I heard that. I, I, I can't remember if it was an interview I was watching. Um, yeah. no, I think we, uh, it's a great, it's a good question, Omar. I get your point. Do you need a complete clean of the whole thing? Yeah to be able to start again and maybe that you know maybe there's something in that for sure but my feeling is football can be really overthought and overcomplicated it doesn't need to be good manager with good players gonna get good results I, I just think it's that and I don't think Arsenal have had a proper combination of the two for a long long time and we talk mm. about Emery Arteta the end of Enger I think it's been a long long time Absolutely. Probably since the early 2000s, we think back yeah. to since it's been then. Um, yeah, I mean, with that question, it's, it, it then turns into how far do you go? Do we have to move stadiums because right, <laughs> Sopenka yeah. built the Emirates effectively? Change the club name, all that. Yeah, exactly. Um, go back to being called Woolwich. Is that what we need to do? Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's it, you would. It's like the, the whole chair leg analogy where you cut a little bit off a chair leg and eventually by the end of it, you've, you've only got a seat left with no chair leg. So yeah, exactly. I think it is a case of how far you go back. Um, um, Bulgarian Guna says, did the club jump the gun on promoting Arteta to manager? I know that King earlier in the chat box, sorry, King, we mentioned your question. It was right at the start, asked something along these similar lines. Is this where his woes began? More responsibilities than simply being a head coach? What a great question. Um, so, uh, before I say yes or no, I <laughs> think I think he needed the title as manager to do some of the things he wanted to do. Yeah. AKA be more involved in transfers with Edu. I think that was a big problem where Emery wanted certain players. They gave him the, the plan B, the backup, the Sanyehi alternative, all that. And I think you hear that, you know, Edu wanted to bring in uh, Neto from Barcelona as our goalkeeper. Yeah. And Arteta stood firm and said, no, he might be cheaper. He might be, but no, I want Ramsdale. Um, so I think to a degree, Arteta did need that responsibility because, as I said, for all we think of him as a coach, I think he's done some some good in terms of rebuilding the, the squad and addressing the, the, the club culture. However, yes, they did jump the gun to a degree because 
I don't think he'd done enough to merit it yet. I don't. Yeah. I know he won the FA Cup, but I don't think he'd done enough. And may, I don't know how it works, but can you really not write in the contract that you know, head coach? P.S. Arteta is also going to be working on transfers. You know, <laughs> I, do we? Yeah. Because because there was always going to be the extra. Our first man, manager since um, Arsene Wenger. You know, that's pretty. People were starting to compare Arteta and Edu to Wenger and Dean. And I just thought it was all a little unnecessary, in my opinion. Um, and I and I did feel this at the time. Um, but maybe he needed that title for certain good things to happen. Yeah, I think you raised some good points about the transfers, especially. I have a lot of time for Edu. Um, I do too, I, actually. I, I, I like a lot of what he's done. Uh, I, I think that recruitment-wise, sales-wise, he needs to improve. We know that, but it has been a very pandemic-affected period that he's been in charge of that role. So I do have a little bit of leniency leniency there. But recruitment-wise, I like the strategy. I like going younger. I like the identification that we can't necessarily compete with you know, the Chelsea's, the cities to sign certain players. What we can do is we can identify players that will develop into players that would be starting for the likes of Chelsea and City. So that that I'm on board with. But the, the manager thing, putting on an equal playing field with Edu and Edu no longer being kind of of a higher level in terms of seniority is probably a bit of an issue. And uh, for, I remember listening to David Ornstein, I think it was on, on the Arscast, said something along the lines of there were individuals within the club that weren't too backing of the idea of Arteta becoming manager. So that wow. split and deviation, I suppose, is, is a little bit of a concern. Um, Yo-Yo says, uh, is it ever worth developing a manager at the cost of the squad? I can't think of any example. Nagelsmann is unique and started his coaching as soon as he was injured. Yeah. Um, my answer to that is no. I don't. Yeah. I think players score the goals. Players clear it off the line players make the tackles and run around and do all the things on the pitch that get you the you know um you know i understand there's a degree of well you know arteta can learn on the job and at arsenal though i it doesn't with this younger squad mm. maybe maybe we'll i think uh, maybe i'm speaking incorrectly for people but i think most people like this squad i think most people like the kind of the, the, I think main the majority do yeah. players i think yeah. people like them um but they're young and i think if it was a squad we liked that were in their 26 27 years and and arteta showed some promise maybe they would have enough experience and know-how and quality to get us through the moments where arteta's um lacking you know mm. is it, it, holding us back um i think when it's a young squad looking to Arteta for guidance, but he's looking to the, the, to the youngsters to get them through. Let's be honest, right? This is the one thing I do feel quite cynically about when it comes to Arteta. The amount of pressure on Saka and Smith-Rowe oh, yeah. is, 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 is unforgivable for me. The expectation on them is mad. It's outrageous. I've, I've, heard, um, I've heard fans, rival fans on other channels say, are they even that good? I don't even think that's a completely unfair question because the way they're hyped and the way they're talked about, I know mm. actually where they're coming from. You know, they're, they're talked about as these superstars, um, but they're not superstars. The hype comes from the fact that they can be one day because what they're doing at such a young age is really more than we should be expecting. But Saka isn't Riyad Mahrez yet. And, but that should be yeah. okay to say. But He's for 20. a team of Arsenal's, a club hmm. of Arsenal's size, Saka needs to be Mahrez. Yeah, to be. that's a really good so point. It's, so yeah. it's such a, it's such a horror, it's a weird one. Um, and, and, you know, 
I don't like the amount he's been he's been resting on the youngsters to get him through. If I'm honest, um, mm. I don't even think he means to sometimes. I think when you're desperate, how for much goal, do you then think? Sorry to cut in. Just no, no, go, how, yeah, how much? Yeah. How much do you then think the because you say like we, he's putting a lot of pressure on the youngsters, but I suppose to play devil's advocate, you would say that the senior players, Abamyang, Thomas Partey, and Ojak has been injured. Lacazette can't really get in in the team as much. Leno's no longer in the side because of Ramsdale. How much can you point the finger at Arteta for leaning on the youngsters? When when his senior figures aren't performing. Yeah. Um, I suppose it's the default reaction. You guys are delivering. So I, I'll go to you, but, mm. but then you, then the question is why are Lacazette and a bamming and party not performing? Yeah. Um, let's go through each one party. Was he rushed back at times? Was he overplayed at times? Does it help that he has a different partner every week? I'm not sure. Yeah. His last three games has been Jacques and Lokonga. I don't know if that helps him. Um, then you go to Lacazette. You know, the, I know he's, he's better when it comes to his back to goal and holding up the ball. But he's basically asked to play as a number 10. Um, does that suit him? I feel like we've taken the, you know, Lacazette, people, let's be honest, people look at Lacazette as a bit of a lump up front. He used to be a mobile, you know, pass and move, you know, quick feet in the air. He used to be quite a nimble striker who had some, mm. you know, had quick feet, had quality in the box. And he used to be a bit of a killer with his finishing. We don't see that anymore. We don't see him in those dangerous areas. So why is that? And Aubameyang used to be an expert at running off the shoulder and, you know, poacher in the box and knowing where to be. Where's that? You see him picking up the same, you know, spaces every time. So again, you look at the manager, you know, Sure, the experienced players need to need to step up, and I've been very vocal about that. But you know, at what point are you just not devising a system that's going to help them or, or overcoaching them too much? It could be that as well. Zander says, and keeping in line with this Partey situation, do you drop Partey until he leaves the African Cup of Nations in the hope that he finds form with Ghana? Eleven Premier League games, he has been dribbled past seventeen times. Uh, Lukonga, eleven Premier League games, has been dribbled past just once. I mean, just just on top of that, yeah. I did find it one of the biggest criticisms I've I've had for Arteta in the last couple of weeks is that Lukonga has been by far our best central midfielder, and in our biggest two games of the season against United and Everton didn't play a minute but that that i find staggering yeah 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 um so weird to me when we spent 15 to 20 mil on lakonga wherever it is he's 21 so he's not he's not like 17 mm. 18 you know he's yeah good age um and you know and and, and he's arteta's signing and then decides off the back of some good performances he you know he, he doesn't play in the united game that was strange to me um but what i'll say about Partey, i think Thomas Partey is he's a different level and this is bad form. This is all it is. It's just bad form to me. Um, maybe maybe I should apply that to Arteta and Aubameyang and all that. But for some reason, I don't. For some reason, Partey feels different to me. Mm. Um, I, think he's a, I think he can be on his day. And I guess that maybe is the argument for him not being world-class. But I think on his day, he can be world-class. Um, and I think you do persist with him. He, he would be in my starting eleven for these games over Christmas in the hope he can build momentum and the hope he can find his form. Cause I think if Partey starts to control midfield in the way he has shown at times at Arsenal, he can, um, yeah. then I do think it takes us up a few levels. So he's different to me, Partey others. Yeah. Rotate, get the form players in. Sure. But Partey, I think stays in the team for me. He's a bit of an exception. Yeah. The, the, it's been a really tough one for me. I, I, 
I dropped him in my in my lineup for Southampton, um, mainly because I just feel like maybe a rest does him good. Um, obviously, we played on Monday night. We're playing on Saturday. We he played on the Thursday before that. Maybe just being taken out of the firing line for a game, bring him back in for the West Ham game when we really need our best team. Bring in. I mean, I Xhaka is an interesting option at the moment because he divides so much opinion um amongst the fan base how do you feel I, about Xhaka sorry to cut you <laughs> I know it's fine I've gone so back and forth on Xhaka like I've yeah. defended him at times because I don't like last season I thought he was our best central midfielder but kind of the best of a bad bunch um rather yeah. than necessarily standing out as being good I think he's good for our left flank I think he combines well with Tierney really really well uh, and that's something that, especially in the Brighton game, Lukonga really struggled with was, you know, utilising our left flank. But then he reacted and responded in the, I think it was the Aston Villa game um, and played really well with Tavares and Anamil yeah. Smith-Rowe in particular. So it's about, do you put, if you're going to drop Partey, do you bring Xhaka back in to add some seniority? and have that kind of level of leadership that he does bring. I mean, we can debate all day about his ability, but I have no doubts about his leadership skills in the team. Um, and then you put him next to Lukonga and, and have that dynamic working. Or do you look at what happened against Watford, which is that Maitland-Niles and Lukonga were brilliant together, and since then we haven't used that combination. Do you go back to that? I went with Xhaka alongside Lukonga and I actually moved us to a 3-4-3 just because I felt like we need to something needs to change drastically and I feel yeah. like we need to add that stability back to the defence because we're conceding too many goals and silly opportunities. So go with Tierney and Tavares. Tierney in that Scotland role that he plays at left centre yeah, back nice. brings it, Tavares into that left wing back role. I think Tommy Asu's improved his offensive game drastically since arriving. Use yeah, him in the yeah. wing back role. Ben White played at right centre back in a back three for Brighton excellently, playing there and let Gabriel be the middle. So I I would do something as drastic as that. I don't think that's what will happen. Um, but yeah, the, the Shaka scenario. I mean, with you, would you did you think the contract was a mistake with yeah. Shaka? Yeah. I thought so it was a horrible mistake. I thought it was a hor and I and I thought it was a horrible, horrible um reading of the room from us you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I almost think i almost think um you know and by the way they know it because they didn't even announce it so they mm. so they know yeah you know, that's know crazy that isn't no it when you think about this. it yeah i i understand that what the manager wants should really take precedent over what the fans want i i get mm. that i, I do fans <laughs> don't want to hear that but of yeah, course yeah. it should because He's the coach. He sees he sees what he sees, and he's got the know-how and all that. Mm. But I just thought this is how horrible because I, I think Jacker is somewhat scapegoated. Um, yeah, but I also I also do feel he has been at the heart of our decline. That doesn't mean it's his fault. Um, mm. But I and it's a style thing, maybe. And anyone in the comments who likes Shaka, you know, do acknowledge that maybe it's a stylistic thing for me. Um, I don't like midfielders when I don't really know what it is. I like I don't really know what he does. Like I, I know in terms of well, he drops to left centre back and he, he you know he opens the space for Tierney to get forward and Smith Rowe to drop inside. He's all mm. part of his positional play magic and the progression up for sure. But you know, that's kind of good to the final third. You know, what beyond that? And mm. some of the numbers, you know, a lot of people said he played well against Everton. I was one of them. I thought he did okay against Everton. For his comeback, I thought he did well. Um, 
but you know, f- f- I think he was the I think he was the Arsenal midfielder with the most passes, most touches, or he was up there. But he doesn't register a single key pass in that, and that mm. for me is kind of telling because I'm like, you know, you're on the ball so much. Yeah. What are we really? And he doesn't rank highest when it comes to tackles and interceptions either. So I'm kind of like, what? What do you do? <laughs> but I know, no, I, know I know if I really break it down, I know what he does. But I, I just think it's time to. I don't. I don't think you can look at any other midfielder in the top four last season and be sitting there going, "Well, what does that midfielder do? What's their role? What's their?" Yeah. You know, I, I don't think you can say about anyone else, and that for me is quite staggering. Yeah, I just, I was just while you were speaking, I was curious about his his passing. Um, so I'm just going to throw up. Yeah, um, I might have got the numbers wrong, but um, yeah, here we go. No, the so that's his pass map. I mean, you got one, you got two passes into the box there. You got one that reached its target, and you got one right. that didn't. But it's this space around the D that this yeah. empty space that I want to see my central midfielder playing passes directly into that space to the striker to link up with play. And That's you can it. see where most of his passes are. They're to the left flank and they're to, you know, to move forward Tierney in that side. And he does like to, to combine with his, his associate central midfielder. And that's why you've got those lateral passes going uh, to the right-hand side. But yeah, I do want to see more. I mean, I thought he was excellent against Spurs. And if you look at that, it's, it's again it's a very similar kind of pass map and that space around the D is again vacant and mm. I want him to do more and I want, well, not him. I just want my central midfielder to do more into that space. So that's you know the what's funny, Tom. Thing. So mm. I think, I think you're right. That was very good against Spurs. Um, but then, then the question comes back to Arteta. So you want, you want Xhaka to drift to the left, but those, mm. that, that kind of the passing matrix suggests to me, a defensive midfielder. It suggests the guy who dictates from deep. But then why do we not see Partey get forward more? So what he's almost got is Partey as kind of a lone holding distributor. Xhaka doing it from left, from, from the left side. Tommy Asu, we know, kind of comes inside from right back. So I kind of see where the space is being filled out. There's a lot of distributors. There's a lot of passes. Yeah. You know, and, and the idea is that Tavares or Tierney, Smith Rowe, Odegaard, Saka, Abameng, they're the five that are kind of meant to make things happen. But mm. I just don't think football, I don't think you can succeed in modern football without your central midfielders being just more involved than that. I just don't, when you talk about the great sides, you talk about Keane and Vieira and, and Yaya Torre and Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard for a reason, because they were so crucial in terms of what they did in the middle. Mm. You know, there's, here's a great example. Here's a great example. Jose Mourinho, um, people used to say, you know, pragmatic and all that but when he came back at Chelsea in 2014-15 he built a midfield of Matic and Fabregas yeah. now Matic almost did a lot of that Jacquero I think he was more dynamic in his better mm-hmm. days but he did that Jacquero to a degree and um, he did it from a central a much more central position not drifting out wide and yeah. Fabregas was allowed to express himself so that was the point of having a Matic so that the other central midfielder could flourish going forward a bit more. Mm. And that's my kind of issue. If that's what Jack is meant to be, then I need to see his partner being, you know, being given more oh, license. And maybe that comes back mm. again to, you know, the system and all that. I hope, I, I hope I'm making sense. I'm just you are. And I think, no, I think you don't even have to go as far back as the Vieiras and Gilberto's of this world. I think you can go back to the Coquelin-Santi Cazorla combination, to be honest. And I think that... A fantastic example. 
with with Coquelin, he would sit, he would be that sweeper of a midfielder and he would be disciplined and Santi Cazula would push forwards combined with Meza Ozil in the number 10 slot ahead of him to the point where both yep. of them would effect, effectively become a 4-3-3 of a single six and two eights with Ozil slightly playing further ahead. Or you had Ramsey in there as well that would do a similar job too. So okay. I think that with Arteta is that he do, he clearly doesn't know his best team um, yeah. or that if he does, it's not good enough. And yeah. the the two kind of pivot midfielders is either, I mean, the options that we have are Xhaka, Partey, Laconga, Maitland-Niles and El Nini. And all five of those players, none of them you would say have characteristics of a Santi Cazorla at yeah. all. Partey is the closest you can get to the Vieira style where you've got a, an absolute dogged runner that just pushes and transitions sure. and progresses. But he's so out of form right now, we're just not seeing that from him. The other option is to yeah. say, drop Partey, bring Laconga in, ask him to sit, and then in January, bring someone in on loan for six months that can be that. I mean, it's interesting we're linked with Vinaldum as a player because arguably yeah, he could play that role um, yeah. of that number eight style advanced central midfielder that can be expressive and be get into the box and, and score goals as he has done and has done at PSG, even though he's not necessarily been settled in. He's already got three goals, I think, in 10 games. So wow, there you he, go. Is, he is scoring. So I think... It does feel to me that... Style. Sorry, sorry, Tom. Go on. No, fine. No, I was going to say, it, it, it does feel to me that um, Arteta, <laughs> you know... If we gave him an infinite amount of time, we mm. will see a good Arsenal side because once he's got all 11 of his own players at the age he wants them to be, um, you know, more familiar with his coaching methods, yeah. probably will, as he says, the project will go bang. It probably will all go bang and actually be quite good. Yeah. Football just doesn't allow for that time. No. That's the thing. Football doesn't allow. And Arsenal fans are right not to want to spend that time. Where, yeah, I think we've been incredibly patient as a fan base. Um yeah. And I know money shouldn't be a factor, but it is. it does play a part that we pay some of the highest ticket prices oh, in the yeah. country. It does, It does. you know, it, merchandise is so expensive these days. You want the new Arsenal shirt, you've got to fork out a lot of money for it. Mm -hmm. and, and I think Arsenal fans are right to kind of say, well, we're, we're, we're being taken along on the ride and we are doing our mm -hmm. bit to support because the Emirates Stadium is still full all the time. And... You know, the, the away crowd is unbelievable. The, the away fans are, are, are superb. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I think we're right to demand a little bit more. You know, I remember when the kits came out, I remember someone saying, "Um, yeah, I, I, I'll pay this in three installments, please. You know, and it's like, funnily <laughs> enough, with people, places like Klarna and stuff, you can actually do that now. But, you know, that was kind of the joke was, yeah. if you're not willing to put up immediately and deliver immediately, why should we? And, I get the frustration from Arsenal fans, I do. Yeah, for a long, long time, Arsenal fans have been the most taken-for-granted supporters in the table. Um, I think so. Without a shadow of a doubt, with the ticket, as you bring ticket prices, the cost, the the lack of the previous lack of communication from the ownership with the fan base, which is hopefully, with what Josh is trying to do, improving. Um, there's still a lot that needs to change, still a lot that needs to be done for better representation and stuff like that. But I think that until Arsenal fans start to get, and I use the word respect because I think that's what it is, yeah. the, the, the level of respect that they need 
Uh, and I say you use the word need, not deserve, because Arsenal fans and yeah. fans in general do need that respect. You need to show that respect. Yeah. You don't need to deserve respect. Like yeah. it's a fan base. The reason why the club exists is because of a fan base. So there's no deserved uh, side of it. It is that fans need that respect because, you know, it's always going to yeah, be earned from them existing. Do you yeah. want to close out the show with any final thoughts, James? Yeah, it was just a follow-up to what you were just saying there. I also think Arsenal fans are some of the most unfairly criticised. I do think that. I think, um, you know, we're one of the we're one of the big biggest clubs in the country, and 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 that brings a lot of mm. eyes on us. A lot of um, when Arsenal lose to Everton, you know, it, it's a big deal, and. I think sometimes people feel the one that always gets me is Arsenal fans aren't patient. Madness to me. I mean, how you could say that, I, I don't know. Um, but you know, Arsenal, while I've spent a lot more in recent years, haven't spent the money City and Chelsea have spent or the money United have spent. We don't have Jurgen Klopp, who is just a, a mastermind, a genius. Um, and so there is a little bit of. I always get a little bit bitter when when I feel that Arsenal fans are kind of being. Listen, mockery is part of football and we all, we all banter that. Hell, I went semi-viral for a TikTok the other day, which I was semi-embarrassing. <laughs> See, that's but, why I don't have TikTok. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was my first one. And, uh, oh, what, wow. Nice. What a debut, eh? So, um, oh, was the only thing I saw this? Was this the, the head yeah, thing? Yes. I can't, still to this day, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I, I did it. see that, yeah. Yeah, I, I can't, actually yeah. my other half showed me that. She, uh, she came up on yeah. it, and she, I tell you, she doesn't follow anything Arsenal related besides me. So the fact it it made her, she her, found though. it somehow. But <laughs> you got to, you got to laugh at the, you know, you got to. It was before the United game. You, you got to banter him and take the L when you take him. If we win, we'll probably re-release the the second album. But we'll see. But <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, I just think, you know, things. I, I always like to round off shows by saying this: things come in cycles I think in football and while we should do everything we can to demand the best from our club and the club should do everything they can to you know make this process happen quicker and bring the glory days back as soon as possible um you know never lose faith like it kind of all does come back around um by hook or by crook whether it's luck or calculated um you know Arsenal will be a force again one day Fingers crossed, mate. Fingers crossed. James, thank you so much, mate, for coming on the show. really appreciate your time. Thank Tell you, people really where they can it. find you. Oh, um, yeah, bloody hell. I'll get asked this question. I always forget what my handles are. I think it's, um, well, on Twitter, James, uh, James AFTV. On Instagram, mm -hmm. you flip it, so it's AFTV James. And then otherwise, I'm just on AFTV all the time. Don't have my own channel. Maybe one day. But, um, day. yeah, I'm just there doing tactical insight and stuff with Graham and um, giving my thoughts. Video dropping tonight. If you want to know what five things... Arteta can do to, to turn this around. Uh, that'll be out tonight. So, yeah. I look forward Thanks. to Thanks it. Thanks for having yeah. me, Tom. Really appreciate oh, no it. No problem at all, mate. Absolute pleasure. Uh, Bulgarian goodness says, fantastic show, Tom. Can we make this a regular thing? Like, I'm sure James will be back on yeah, very I soon. Uh, but he's Thank a very you. busy man. But appreciate the... Uh, the kind comments in the chat box. There's been plenty of them. If you have enjoyed the show, please do drop a like on the video and subscribe to the Guna Talk. And of course, you can check out James's stuff on AFTV. We will see you again very, very soon. And as always... Up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go. And you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. 
is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.